Hello and welcome to episode one of Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fatella, Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5. And if you're a Great Lakes sports fan, man, I'm telling you, we got the show for you. We're going to be giving you our takes from three different generations and differing points of view. And we all come from the same small town of Corona, Michigan. I'm the baby boomer, and I've been a sports talk host on radio in mid-Michigan since the 80s. Our Generation X member of our posse is Matt Burns of ESPN. And our millennial is Jared Fattel of Fat Stack Sports. We'll also be joined periodically on the program by a member of the greatest generation, Jack Strap, and his <clears throat> interesting take on sports. All right, first of all, let's get a little background on my friends here. Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been with ESPN for about seven years now. Uh, I, I love it. I love my job. I get paid to watch and, and talk about sports, so I can't complain about that. But before that, as you mentioned, I grew up in Corona, Michigan, born and raised the Cavalier. Played football, basketball, baseball my whole life, and still have a few records to my name uh, for the football program. So definitely, definitely proud of that. Ended up graduating from Grand Valley State University. I've had some awesome experiences and met some really cool people, but I bounced around to a few different states. Still have my my Cavalier roots. So looking forward to uh, talking some sports and and doing this podcast with you guys. We're all Cavaliers, and some of us keep it in the family. My nephew here, Jared, tell us a little bit about you. Not only am I the youngest and best-looking guy of the three of us, but I'm also the smartest. Uh Uh-huh. I'm currently a young gun at the Shooting Star College in Lansing, and I played for the best Corona football team ever, and I think Tom Izzo is the most overrated coach ever. Oh my goodness, best Corona football team ever, are you kidding me? You're right up there, but you're just staking claim, huh? Pete Horner said it himself. (laughs) We're going to get right to this argument. (laughs) I guess so already, I don't know. Pete Hornis' team wasn't bad, and your grandpa... Bud Fattel, the 47 they undefeated Cavaliers. That doesn't count. They don't count. Why don't they count? Anything before 1976 doesn't count in my book. That's, oh, that's not even football. You're way too young. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We'll have more Cavalier football talk as we go along, but I'll tell you guys one thing. Huge day in Detroit today. We're, we're recording this here on Saturday, December 17th. Just got finished watching the Lions keep their playoff hopes alive, wearing the uh, the color rush uniforms. First of all, let's start right there. What do you guys think about the, the silver or gray or whatever you want to call it? Color rush jerseys are absolute money, but, I mean, this team is their average team. It's kind of, they're not that cool. I mean, the Lions colors are just playing as it gets. I, I, I like the uniforms. I, I Actually, I'm a fan of the Honolulu blue. I like I like how they change it up a little bit this year with the the color scheme, but the color rush uniforms, I, I'm I'm a big fan. They kind of look like they're running around in sweatpants out there a little <laughs> bit, but but overall, I, I like. It. Did we not have a Thursday night game? Did the Lions not have a Thursday night game? I don't think oh, yeah, they did. Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving. They absolutely. Wear, they didn't roll out the color rush for Thanksgiving. Not color rush. They went with the throwbacks. The the old right, uh, right. Not, not the color rush. Are you guys all for this whole change up of uniforms? I am the old guy in the bunch, and I'm not a huge fan of it. I could live with what the Lions had. I actually like the Michigan uh, maze uniforms they opened up the season with, but overall. I'm not a big fan of, of that. I'm, I'm more of a traditionalist, and I like the classic uniforms. So when I look at the TV and see the unis, I know for sure who I'm looking at. I like the, I like the new changing uniforms. I mean, you see Oregon, mm-hmm. and now basically every team's basically Oh, Oregon's Oregon. gross. you got to be kidding me. Every team is like that now. But, I mean, I remember the most ugly uniforms I've ever seen was like Michigan State's a couple years ago. Remember those? Oh, yeah. They had the, what was it, lime green on them? Those were ugly. Those weren't very good. There, there's some bad ones out there. Maryland had some bad combinations. Or, Oregon actually has some some of the best and some of the worst. I mean, when you, when you have the, the colors that they have, that, that green and yellow, I mean, that that can just – create some bad combinations but i'm a fan i think recruits like it too you know when when a recruit is looking at a school 
if they're if they're getting recruited by one that has all these cool alternate uniforms versus one that just has like two or three you know they might they might lean towards the school that has a bunch of cool uniforms who knows i'll grudgingly give you that one matt and you mentioned that uh the recruiting i remember tom Izzo had like he said that he doesn't like the jerseys but recruits do and the, but that's just like Michigan State tries way too hard with their uniforms. Like they try to be like Oregon. You see with their football uniforms, and it's just they're they're like the ugliest things I've ever seen. What I don't know, I disagree with one point there. The they had the uh, solid white uniforms with white helmets this year, and I thought those looked pretty sharp. Oh, I, I love those. I'm I'm a big fan of all white. Yeah, that's Michigan, true. Michigan finally, when they went to Jordan and they rolled out the, the all white, oh, I was I was a big fan. That's our fashion segment of our program here. Let's talk the game a little bit, guys. Lions keep their playoff hopes alive. They win 20-10 to over the Bears. Bears look pitiful. It looked like the Lions of old. They were just awful. They do look like they have some potential at quarterback, but uh, John Fox, he's on his way out. But the Lions, like I said, have their playoff hopes alive. And I know, Jared, you're not uh, a big proponent of the Lions going very far, even if they make the playoffs. But, hey, got to give them credit, and Matt Stafford's having a hell of a year. Yeah, he is, but I mean, honestly, I've kind of lost interest in this Lions team. I mean, what they'd have to have everything go right for them to even have a shot of making the playoffs. And even if they get in, it's just going to be the typical either, you know, we've had Drew Brees rip our hearts out, Aaron Rodgers rip our hearts out. Basically, any time we go to the playoffs, our hearts are getting ripped out. Russell <laughs> Wilson last year. I'm fine if we just take the year off, regroup. Is there any hope for the Lions at all? I mean, it's been since 1957, you know. that's I was one year old. <laughs> I mean, are you talking about since their last championship? Yeah, last championship. this year, first of all? No, I'm talking any year. I mean, oh, you got to no. get to the playoffs, first of all, before you even have a chance. Why couldn't they get hot in the playoffs if they make it? I mean, Should there's they, always uh, that hope. Yeah, no. Well, let me throw a hypothetical at you. Would you rather see, uh, like, a Pistons championship or – let me say this. Would you rather see a Michigan football – uh, champion, national championship, or would you rather see a Detroit Lions Super Bowl? I'll flat out tell you, without a doubt, Detroit Lions. I would I absolutely agree. go crazy. The state would go crazy. There's not even any question. Lions championship would be phenomenal. What do you think, Matt? I think a Lions championship for, for most Michigan, overall Michigan sports fans, would be something that, that they would put at the top of the list. Just because, like you said, it's been almost 60 years since they've even sniffed one. So I, th- I think that's what I would go. And and my thing is, you know, I'm with you, Jared. Like, it, I think they're an above-average football team. I think right now, yes, they are keeping us keeping us interested till the end of the year. But if they play the way they are right now, by the time they get to the playoffs, they probably would get beaten in the first round. But you never know what happens when you get to the playoffs. Teams can get hot. A quarterback can get on a roll. And, and the Lions do have a quarterback who has a ton of potential. So who knows? They get to the playoffs and he just starts rolling. They could could pull an upset or two. You never know. Yeah, we'll see. I'll tell you what, though. They need to uh, get healthy on that offensive line and block somebody, and they got to get a running attack. It's not going to probably happen this year, but I don't know if if there's anybody in the draft worth taking, but they got to get a running back. I love that you guys are talking yourselves into this uh, Lions playoff. Good luck. Uh, Your heart's going to be ripped out, so just good luck. Hey, I didn't say I was on the Kool-Aid. I was early in the season. Early in the season. Three or four times, yeah. (laughs) All right, what do you think about uh, Jim Caldwell? Is he the long time answer is he out of there does uh, it depend I, if they make the playoffs he keep his job get somebody in there that's a little charismatic i don't care i honestly i don't care if he's a poorer coach he's just so damn boring get him out of there that's the way i look at it he doesn't bring a whole lot to the table it seems like but the players seem to like him and i guess that that's the biggest thing to me like when i see a lot of fans or people on twitter talking about fire caldwell they don't like him all that fans can have their opinions all that matters to me is if the players like him if the players are behind him and if he's getting the players motivated and coaching them up then that's fine with me 
problem is the Lions come out flat almost every week. So that's what makes me wonder about Caldwell is, you know, you have a week to prepare for teams and, and get healthy and get your game plan right. And it just seems like they come out flat all the time. So it's like, man, what, what is he doing Monday through Thursday? Are they even, are they even prepping for this game? I, I tell you what, if he if he has his mustache, he can stay, but no mustache, he's out of there. That's the way I look at it. That's a fair enough question right there. Now, if there is final question on the uh, on the Lions situation in Caldwell, is who what type of coach or who's out there that you'd like to see run the team? Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher? Yeah. Ooh, how about that? Get Jeff Fisher. Some fireworks out there. Career record is basically 500. You'd rather have a guy who. He'll keep us in the news. It is 500. <laughs> He'll keep us in the news. That's all I care about. Well, we'll see. We'll see what the Lions will do long term. But uh, Jared here is the youngest one of the group, and he already sounds like he's a, a cynical Lions fan. What's going on here? Well, I you, you call you, in the playoffs. You call me a cynical Lions. Are you a Lions fan? I'm honestly curious because aren't, aren't you? You're like a Lakers fan, correct? Yeah. So how do you how do you end up a Lakers fan and a Lions fan? How does that happen? Boy, he is feisty here, folks. The young one, the young gun. Young gun, coming in hot. Coming in hot. Well, I'll tell you what, he's the young gun, but uh, let's see what Jack has to say about the Lions win. Hello, Ted, Mike, and Jerry. I'll tell you what, I haven't been this excited since uh, my wife and I went out to eat last weekend. But to see the Silverdome crowd go crazy to beat Lovey Smith and the Bears, I'll tell you, I'm willing to bet at least a few bucks that they have a chance to beat the Packers in the last game of the season and have a chance in the playoffs. But, uh, hey, look, I'll take this win while they have it. And it was great seeing Nadamik and Sue just tackle the Bears like nothing, and it was just awesome to see. That's all I got to say. Well, always interesting to hear what Jack has to say on any topic, and we're going to let him stay on the line here and comment periodically. But let's go back down to Detroit. It was a big day down there today, and at uh, Little Caesars Arena, a nice double header, which I hope is an annual affair. Michigan took on the University of Detroit, pounded them 90-58 to this afternoon, and then Michigan State had their hands full, as they always seem to, against Oakland. 86-73, they pulled away late, but it was a one-point game under five minutes to go. First of all, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, the Spartans this season? Highly ranked, number uh, two in the nation right now. What do you think? I think they're they're really good. Uh, they look really talented. Um, I think they could really have a shot at winning the Big Ten, but they're going to lose uh, round two. Oh. <laughs> the biggest thing with me with, with Michigan State this year is they've got the superstar in Bridges, and they've got depth. Some of, some of the years, in the last few years, they've, they've had a couple top players, but their depth wasn't really there. I think this team is deep. They're definitely the favorite to win the Big Ten. The Big Ten isn't isn't all that great this year, so they, they should win the Big Ten. And Izzo always has them ready in March. We know that. Um, so I I think this is the year that Michigan State can make a run to the Final Four, no doubt. Am I the only one that's really bothered by this? But that the Big Ten is moving their uh, championship game to like the Madison Square Garden. I'm and not. They're a... going to play a whole week before the Big East, and then they're going to take a week off before the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's terrible. I mean, that's all about getting in the New York market I solidly, know, money. Yeah, I mean, I know even your dad, he sent me an email and wanted to know if we wanted to go to New York for the Big Ten tournament. I thought, well, that would be kind of nice. Just think how much money you got to spend to go exactly. to New York and hang out. It's, it is kind of interesting, but it's got to be all about the money. What do you think, Matt? Have you heard anything on the inside? Well, that's, that's basically what it is. And, I mean, they, they want to rotate it around, but that, that's the curious thing is there's, I mean, Rutgers is there in New Jersey, but there's not really a New York market for, for the Big Ten, so... So I, I, I don't really understand that. It's it's definitely a money grab, and it's it's trying to get the Madison Square Garden, you know, on TV and all that kind of stuff. So, so I don't know. It it doesn't really bother me to be honest with you. It's just 
I'm still going to be watching the games where it's at isn't isn't a big deal to me. So it, um, it, it would be cool to see it in in Big Ten markets. But it bothers me because it's I'm like is the Big Ten just like trying to like take over like the whole like country like expand just keep expanding? It's just like well, at what point do we like stay to our roots here? Yeah, well, as far as a fan goes, I would like to see it just keep rotating between Indy and Chicago, just because you know right here in the Midwest where most of the Big Ten schools are, you have an easy way to get there and they have nice facilities to watch games as well but uh, hey big tens in a power grab like the sec's on a power grab they all want their piece yeah, of the, but the sec isn't getting uh shafted by the big east and the big east is dirt the big <laughs> east is dirt nowadays they're not the big east of the it's 1980s. not like it used to be yeah. no there's no doubt we're getting so we're getting the second we're getting the leftovers of the big east basically how, how well explain that what do you mean so we're the, we we're not allowed to have the tournament the same like the the same weekend as every other Big Ten tournament. We're like in the weekend with like the mid majors and like you know how like there's always that day like that Saturday you right. watch uh, like Stony Brook. Oh like hey I like them maybe I'll take them in the tournament because you sure. happen to watch a game. Right. That's where the Big Ten's gonna be playing. Right. And that's just a joke. I, or it gets more eyes on the Big Ten because if the Big Ten tournament's going up against the ACC, the SEC tournament, all those other ones, then they have to compete with those. It's also it's also all about TV too and. What, what games they can get on TV. So so you, you can look at it that way, or you can look at it like if they're having to go up against Stony Brook or some of these other lower-level tournaments, and everyone's just going to watch a Big Ten tournament. So. Now, now, I think we're all in agreement Michigan State has a potential Final Four team. The other school in the Big Ten here, Michigan, you know, they have some uh, solid potential themselves. Ten and three, they have a couple of decent wins on their resume, beating UCLA at Chrysler, beating Texas down in Austin, and, you know, today obviously dismantling UD Mercy. What do you think about the Wolverines' chances if they stay healthy and John Beeline, who really, you know, is, is I think, underrated as a head coach? I definitely think Beeline's underrated. I, I'm a huge Beeline fan, one, because he's a great coach, but two, he seems like he – he does it the right way, if you want to say that. He doesn't seem to be one that that re, is a dirty recruiter or has any of these scandals. You know, he, he does it the right way. Guys love playing for him, and uh, he always has his guys. They they seem to get better as the year goes on. The team that you see right now, hopefully Wagner can can get healthy and stay healthy throughout the year. But the team you see right now is going to be different than the one you see in March. And they they've got leadership, they've got some experience, and they've got some young athletic kids. So. So I think, I mean, they, they made a little bit of a run last year when they weren't expected to in the tournament. So, again, you never know what can happen once you get to get to the tournament. Well, as I know is college basketball is one of those things that really help me get through these cold winter months. It's just awesome to, to go all the way up to March, and then once March Madness starts, man, there's nothing like it. You know, I've said it before on my radio show that uh, that first Two days of March Madness. That's my deer hunting. I take off time from work. That's vacation time. I'm just sitting in front of that TV from noon to midnight watching college hoops, and it's just awesome. I I will say about college hoops, though, I mean, I'm a big NBA fan, and, you know, a lot of people, when they criticize the NBA, they say these guys don't try hard, they don't play defense, it's just one-on-one ball. Watch closely a college basketball game, and you'll realize how good NBA players are because some college basketball games, are almost impossible to watch. You realize why a lot of you're one of those guys to the NBA. The, the NBA, I mean, these guys are so good. That's why they have to play basically one on one, and it's just pick and roll all the time because these guys are so good defensively and so good offensively. Sometimes I watch a college basketball game, I'm like, man, this is almost unwatchable. These guys aren't that good. Well, I'll tell you one thing. There, there's a big difference from watching it on television to actually watching it live and in person, and it's the same way with college football. You know, I had a chance uh, a couple weeks ago to watch uh, Ferris State 
and and walk the sidelines up there and just the intensity and the hitting that's division two football just think about what it is in the nfl and even big time college football uh, these athletes are tremendous and and to segue back to your point in the nba i mean it, these these basketball players in the nba are just phenomenal yeah they're they're incredible athletes and i mean they're you've got guys now like i mean like boogie cousins and joel Embiid, and these do to would be traditional centers because of their size, but I mean they're basically playing point guard. I mean Kevin Durant is basically seven feet, and he's essentially a point guard. So it's it's crazy to me. All right, Jared. I'm an NBA guy though. So. Yeah, so you like the NBA? I know Jared, you're a college basketball fan, and I, I'm I'm a college basketball fan for sure. But I do like the NBA. But I'm going to preface that by saying I like it when they get to the playoffs. I don't even pay attention, to be honest with you, in the regular season that much. I'll watch the Pistons. And, you know, speaking of the Pistons, they started off the season real hot, a little bit overrated maybe after they just had a seven-game losing streak. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they've had a couple of Ws uh, before we've recorded this. And uh, what do you think? You think the Pistons have a chance to solidly get in the playoffs, maybe make a little noise, win a first round? I mean, you look at this team, I mean, the addition of Avery Bradley obviously just completely flipped the, oh, yeah. flipped the script of this team. But honestly, I I mean, you lose seven of your last nine, and you're relying on Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, who I think Reggie Jackson is one of the worst point guards in the league, but he's just got the benefit of a solid players around him. I have a feeling that this team isn't going to – they're going to die out. Yeah, and if they, if they do die out, what do you think about Van Gundy? Is he the right guy to, to coach the Pistons? I love Van Gundy. Yeah, my, He's a classic guy. My thing with, my thing with Van Gundy is, is is his role the right role, being the president of operations and the coach. Like Jared mentioned, adding Bradley was good, but I don't know. Like It didn't work out for Doc Rivers with the Clippers being the president and the coach. So maybe if, if he could just focus on one or the other – Maybe that would help. I, I do think he's a good coach, but it's a team built with some nice players. There's, there's no superstar. I, I'm not a big Reggie Jackson fan either. He seems to just play hero ball a lot. Right. Um, they, yeah, I, I think they'll make the playoffs this year, but but the, the big question is, who does LeBron still play for? Yeah, and not only that, I mean, if you look at the NBA and coaches in general in the NBA, do they really make that big a difference, or is it just about the players? I mean, it I think it's mostly about the players. Like, does Teron Liu for the Cavs really do a whole lot? I'm sure. He, I'm sure he does a little. But yeah. The the coach of that team is LeBron. I, I think the coaches do have a little bit of a control over the team, and it's more like managing the players. Maybe it's more of that than anything. Well, I think so too. And then you look at Steve Kerr. Who wouldn't want to coach uh, Golden State? How how difficult would that be? Maybe the difficult part would be uh, being able to manage the egos. And I think that right. uh, that they got to give him a lot of credit for that. But uh, you put your best players out on the court. That's not rocket science. And speaking of Steve <laughs> Kerr, uh, did you catch the quote from uh, when they came to Detroit and played? And uh, Steve Kerr said it was a soul-sucking experience at the MGM Casino Hotel in Detroit. I guess he wasn't a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan of Steve Kerr. I, I had a, a run-in with him at Grand Valley State. He came in, uh, did a little uh, speaking event, and um, I went up and talked to him, and he just – he just wasn't I, with myself and some of the people who went up to talk to him. He wasn't very pleasant. And then uh, big time, yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, he he used to work for ESPN, and um, so I don't know him personally. People that worked with him directly told me that he wasn't very pleasant to work with either. So so just some of that that stuff. I, I haven't really been a big fan of his. So so and then especially when he threw Detroit under the bus, I was like, I'm done with this guy. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to stay in Birmingham like they used to when they played at the Palace. 
So he's used to the highfalutin hotels. <laughs> you like that word falutin there, Jared? <laughs> you even yeah, know? That's, that's do you ever cool. hear that before? Yeah, that's an old before. guy that's thing, you know. Yep. <laughs> hey, it is our three-point podcast. Uh, we have different opinions, as you can tell. There's three generations here. We're three Cavaliers, and uh, we love our Michigan's, our state of Michigan sports. And and speaking of our state of Michigan sports, let's talk a little college football, fellas. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. I love it. All right. Well, first of all, I think it's no secret we're all Michigan football fans, right? Yep. Yes, sir. All right. Now, we've been three years into the Harbaugh era, and uh, personally, I'm a big Jim Harbaugh fan. I think he's a weirdo, but I think he is a heck of a football coach. Now, lately here, all the talk has been the Twitter war between Harbaugh and D'Antonio. And, you know, and it always seems to me that uh, each of those coaches always want to get the last word. I guess that's a human human condition. What do you guys think about the whole D'Antonio and Harbaugh feud? I mean, I guess my first thoughts would be D'Antonio seems uh, almost obsessed with with Michigan and Harbaugh. There's a good side and a bad side to it. The good side is he, he seems to really focus on Michigan, and he's been very successful against Michigan. I worked with somebody who came up, he, he played football at Michigan State. I worked with him up in Bristol, and he said that every week no matter if they were playing Northwestern or Notre Dame or whoever they were going to play, they would have a package every practice to do something to prepare for Michigan. And part of me is like, man, really? They that obsessed with Michigan and Harbaugh and you know, everything like that? But at the same time, look at his record against Michigan. So he takes Michigan seriously, and sometimes I wonder if Harbaugh doesn't take Michigan State seriously enough. That's smart. I mean, that's smart to me. I look at this, and every single year, the last two – well, two out of the last three years, I've had my heart – absolutely ripped out of my chest against Michigan State. And I, I've had to listen to Michigan State fans who are the absolute <laughs> worst. I don't care. I've said this before. I'm a Michigan State hater more than I'm a Michigan fan. I would rather see Michigan State lose every game than Michigan win every game. Wow, that is very extreme. Bold statement. That is bold. And where, where does it come from? Where's all the Michigan State hate come from? Living in this state. Getting our ass kicked the last, like, what, what is the record? What's our record? Uh, Michigan's record against uh, Michigan it's State in football the last, like, 10 years. Not good. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, and same thing with Ohio State. I mean, I honestly, I could care less about Ohio State. Just beat Michigan State. That's okay. all I ask. Well, that's a, that's a step forward. I will I will say that after the last few years, without a doubt. That's something that, that I, Jared and I talked about this on Twitter a little while back. I think that's a generational thing because, Ted, you can, you can speak to this. It, was, it wasn't that way before. It was, it was Michigan and Ohio State, and that's it. And then, yeah, it was cool to beat Michigan State, but, you know, they, Michigan was expected to beat Michigan State. It was all about Ohio State. Oh, without a doubt. And that's, that is a little bit old school because, you know, I, I lived through the Bo Woody years. I remember vividly 1969 when the Wolverines brought Bo in and they upset the number one team in the nation, you know, Woody Hayes and the Buckeyes. But uh, that 10-year war was phenomenal, and that really set the stage. And, and Michigan always had – Problems against Michigan State once in a while, but they usually beat them most of the time. It was always Ohio State or Michigan playing for the Rose Bowl, playing for the Big Ten Championship, and and I I just I live for those days again. You know, I'm so sick of losing to both Ohio State and Michigan State. It just is ridiculous. Now, I it is a generational thing because I don't hate Michigan State by any stretch of the imagination. Now, when they tee it up on the football field, do I want Michigan to win? Yes. But when Michigan State plays anybody else, I want the Spartans to win. And you guys got to realize, again, I'm, I'm going to state my age. The first team that I really watched in college football 
the first successful team, the first team that I really got into was actually Michigan State. The Duffy Doherty years when, you know, the 10-10 Notre leather Dame helmets. game. Leather helmets? <laughs> Not quite leather helmets, <laughs> but but one, <laughs> one face mask bar, but maybe. But, uh, you know, in the mid-60s, the Spartans were the king. You know, they were very, very good. You know what? You know how come I became a huge Michigan football fan? I don't think I've ever told you this, Jared. I know I haven't told Matt. Growing up on Saturdays, you maybe got two college football games to watch. You know, it was ABC, and you had a couple games. And Michigan was on once in a while. Michigan State, because they were good, they were on maybe a little bit more. But the reason I became a Michigan football fan, pure and simple, was Bob Eufer on the radio being able to be driving around with my parents and you'd hear Eufer's description. And there's nobody out there that can compare to Bob Eufer as being a homer and just a fantastic, entertaining broadcaster to listen to. He was one of a kind. He was one of a kind. I still I still look up uh, YouTube clips and stuff on uh, game days to listen to, to get fired up for, for Michigan games with Eufer. So, so I, can, I can see that. And, and I mean, I, I think the biggest thing to me is, you know, for, for most of uh, some friends and I have talked about this, who, who we grew up, people who are my age, uh, who we grew up, Michigan dominating Michigan State, but people that are Jared's age, it's just been Ohio State dominating Michigan. So when they look at, you know, every year they, they try and ESPN or whoever has a Fox, they try and sell Michigan-Ohio State as the game, the best rivalry in college football, the best rivalry in sports, some people say. I think the younger generation says, how is this the best gener- or the best yeah, rivalry? I don't, I don't even see it as a rivalry, really, yeah. honestly. Just, yeah, because you have no way to relate. Because you've got to beat your rival once in a while. And they don't I do mean, it. I just I focus so much of my hatred. I mean, you hear <laughs> stupid sayings like, the pride comes before the fall. What the hell does that even mean? The pride comes before the fall. Uh, we, I'm so sick of that saying. That's like Michigan State's rallying cry against Michigan. <laughs> I just, I'm so sick of that. I want that ended as soon as possible. <laughs> I thought Harbaugh was going to do it. He hasn't done it yet. Not yet. Do you think he will? I think he will, but I mean, I've definitely had my doubts starting this year. Now, what do you think about the whole philosophy now of going with transfers? You know, it looks like Shea Patterson obviously going to be either 1 or 1A going into next season if he's eligible. What what do you think about the whole uh, transfer situation with Michigan and Harbaugh? And, uh, you know, I know I've been reading things about, well, he's just another O'Corn. Well, that's not really fair, I don't think. He's not O'Corn because he's actually got some swag to him. Right. I'm sick of these uh, – like just – Average quarterbacks that Michigan's had these last few years. Just no no cares, charisma, nothing to him. But I will say this. If Shea Patterson is wearing number 20, I don't want him. I, That's a joke. I don't like that either. That you like the 20. That's your number, isn't it, Matt? That was my hoops number. I'm a big fan of the 20. Yeah, I got to agree with Jared on this one. I don't like seeing the 20 numbers <laughs> at quarterback. Sorry. <laughs> Shea Patterson's a starting quarterback, and he's wearing number 20, and he beats Michigan State in East Lansing, goes to Columbus and beats Ohio State. Are you guys going to be mad? Nope. I'm, I'm going to change my tune at that point. Yep. Like I said, why does it matter what number he's wearing? I could, I mean, I've tweeted this before. If John O'Corn beats Michigan State and loses the rest of the games, I he's he's a champion in my book. <laughs> he's a champion. <laughs> well, speaking of champions, they got a couple of bowl games coming up. Uh, first of all, what what do you guys think about the whole situation of bowl games in general? You know, they just started a whole bowl season today. Uh, you know, we got the college football playoffs, which really seems to be everybody's focus. You still have the bowl games, but they've lost a lot of luster, don't you think? They have obviously lost some luster it's just because some of the matchups just aren't very good some of the games you try and watch them because you're a football fan you're excited football's on and it's just not that good football so 
I think that's the biggest problem. And, and but you know, the, the everyday fan, the, the person that's not like a huge college football fan who will turn on a Michigan Michigan State game, even if they don't have a horse in the race because they know it's Michigan Michigan State that's going to be a good game. If they flip around and they see North Texas and Troy, <laughs> go, you know, it's going to be like. And uh, no, I'll go watch bowling. Yeah. So, you know, that, I think that's a big thing to me. Some of the matchups are just trash. Yeah, I think I'd rather watch professional cornhole myself. I know ESPN has really jumped into that market, right? Like, yeah, the Ocho. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Well, we've been talking about Michigan-Michigan State football. Well, what about their bowl matchups? Michigan taking on South Carolina in the Outback Bowl and MSU-Washington Straight in the Holiday Bowl. MSU fans are not happy about not playing on New Year's. Bar and Tears uh, taste like Bloomin' Onion. I saw that sweet uh, today. I loved it. <laughs> they don't belong. Sorry. You're not, you're, not a, you're not. No one cares about you nationally. Have fun on your uh, not New Year's Day bowl game. I'm with Jared on that. I don't really see what the big deal is. If you're not playing in the playoffs, or if you're not playing in, you know, one of the New Year's Six Bowls, what's the big deal? You're getting a free trip. The, the thing is, they're getting a free trip to San Diego. What are you mad about? I mean, you're getting a free trip to California to do a little recruiting, to play a top-20 team in Washington State. What are, you, what are you so mad about? Well, you're talking the programs and all the noise, all the Twitter stuff's coming from the fans. It's a lot easier to get from East Lansing, Michigan, to Florida than it is to go out to California, pure and simple. That's, that's where all the argument is coming from, really. And... If you are a longtime college football fan, New Year's Day is bold day. Yeah, it is. It is, but now you've got the playoff on New Year's Day, and you know it is cool to sit there on New Year's Day and watch uh, watch your team play. But I just don't get it. I don't understand what the outrage is, and them saying I'm not going to eat at Outback Steakhouse anymore. It's like <laughs> you're really that mad that you're not going to go get a, a mediocre steak from Outback. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've had one of those toughies. The little brother comment from Mike Hart. You know, it's a little played out especially now that Michigan State has kind of turned around the rivalry. But but seeing Michigan State and their fans get so mad at college football choosing Michigan to go to the Outback Bowl, it came off like a little brother reaction. It came off like a little brother who got mad because Big Brother got a little bit better of a Christmas present, you know, or something like that. It's like, what are you mad about? You're, you're going to a bowl. You're getting, you're getting to go to California. Like, what? get over it. I mean, I get it, but if I was a Michigan State, I would honestly feel the same way. It's so pure and simple. Is, yeah, I don't get the headlines. No, and that's why D'Antonio has to go after Harbaugh. I mean, you gotta. That's. I mean, it's kind of recruiting. That's what kids yeah. like nowadays. Right. Oh, fair point. And, and let's face it, Michigan's a national program. Michigan State trying to get there, but they're not They'll at never, the same I mean, level. Can't. I mean, I don't, unless Nick, even Nick Saban couldn't take him right. to the national level. Right. Yeah, if he would have stayed there, he probably would have. He's a pretty yeah. good coach. I'd say he's fair coach. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Let's see what Jack Strapp's thoughts are on uh, the MSU and Michigan football programs and that feud. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to address that feud in a a moment here. But first, I'd like to say that MSU football is in awesome hands right now with Coach Duffy Doherty. He's a veteran, and they found success nationally and, of course, in the state of Michigan against my Michigan Wolverines in recent years. Coach Harbaugh has improved recruiting dramatically. Uh, The Michigan teams under his tutelage are highly competitive, so don't freak out, Michigan fans. Don't forget, Denard Robinson was injured in week three, and that put more pressure on the defense, led by All-Americans Lamar Woodley and Jabril Peppers and Maurice Hurst. They're going to be just fine. And like I said, he's recruiting in the top five nationally, so don't worry. It'll be probably next year we beat John Cooper's arrogant Buckeyes. So now, let me take a deep breath. I'd like to address this so-called feud between Mike D'Antonio and Jim Harbaugh. Is the media bored? 
Why should we care what the Los Angeles Laker basketball coach has to say about beating Jim Harbaugh? What, did he beat him in a game of cards or a round of golf? I don't understand. And frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Mike D'Antonio should focus on his miserable Laker team led by stranger citizen Kobe Bryant and rookie Lonzo Ball. And on that note, holy cow, his father LeVar Ball. Everybody's having a ball criticizing him and all the negative publicity. Here's my opinion, even if you didn't ask me, okay? We do not care what LeVar Bell has to say. Of course he says stupid things. Of course he's too involved in the lives of the ball children. When you listen to Bill Belichick, is he going to tell you some funny jokes? No! So when it comes to LeVar Ball, the media should just leave him alone with his balls, so to speak, rather than sticking a microphone in front of his face. Come on! Do you expect him to say something different or smart? Then why, I tell you, why? He creates easy press. Oh, let's see. Hey, guys, what do you say we get LeVar on record saying something stupid, and then and, and I know we'll get uh, people like, uh, opinionated people like Lou Alcindor or Charles Barkley to comment. Come on, how do we stop the madness? I know, let's stop asking him questions. Don't tell anybody. So my point is, if everybody's so sick of LeVar Bell, then stop sticking up a microphone in front of his face. There you go. I got to calm down, guys. Sorry. <laughs> All right, we're going to move it from winter sports to a little boys of summer. And we had big news for our Detroit Tigers this uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, Jack Morris and Alan Trammell elected to the Hall of Fame. Back when I was a young sportscaster, I had a chance to catch up to Tram back in right around 1989 and asked him some questions. Okay, my guest right now is uh, Alan Trammell. And, Alan, you were... uh voted Tiger of the Year last year, once again, your third time after having a fine campaign, batted 311 with 69 RBIs. First of all, how's that feel, and uh, your overall overall outlook on uh, last season? Well, I'm very proud, of course, to, to win an honor like that. So, you know, Tigers have some, some solid ball players, and, uh, you know, to be selected as Tiger of the Year, I'm very grateful for that. Looking back to last year, uh, you know, I look at it as being a satisfying year. Uh, you know, we were picked for fifth. Uh, we were in first place much of the year. Uh, we went into a little tailspin in the middle of August uh, where we went 4-19, and, and uh, we lost Jeff Robinson at that particular time. That really hurt us. And uh, But I was real happy about the last couple of weeks we could have thrown in the towel, but we didn't. We came back strong, and we finished up in second place. So for that matter, I think I'm satisfied. and I think we ended on a good note, uh, so I think that will carry over into the season. Okay, Alan, you're uh Pretty much the, uh, I don't know if it's official, but like the captain of the Tigers. Do you have any uh, managerial aspirations at all when your uh, big league career is done? Well, I'm not going to say I, I've never thought about it, but uh, certainly to me I've got at least another four or five good solid years left to play the game of baseball. And, you know, I try to pick up things. I, I like to watch the other teams. I like to watch what we're doing and just try to pick up things. So if, if that's a sign of a manager, then, yes, maybe I will. But, uh, again, I'd rather I'm going to worry about playing for a few more years and then down the road maybe consider that. Okay, one final question. Now, I'm a, I'm a fast-pitch uh, softball player, and uh, we're pretty close to the same age. And once in a while when you get to be our age, I don't know if, if you find it on the major league level because you get to work out all the time and stay in – top shape, but do you, uh, do you find as the summer wears on that you suffer any, any kind of burnout at all? Not really. Uh, you know, we've been doing this at the level that
that we're at, this is something that we're kind of accustomed to. We've been doing this for many years now. And no, uh, I guess when you start feeling that, it's time to start getting out. But I have not got to that, that point yet. We keep ourselves basically in year-round shape. I'm fortunate. I live in, uh, in San Diego in the off-season, so I'm able to be outside and work outside. So uh, I feel like I'm staying in the best possible shape that I can. Thanks, Alan. Have a good season. I'll see you down season this year. You know, Alan Trammell, just a class act. And, you know, guys, I've been listening to sports talk radio on my Sirius. I listen to ESPN. I listen to Mad Dog uh, on Sirius Radio. And you would not believe the East Coast biased the Mad Dog show has, number one. Number two, the people that were dissing Alan Trammell that he should not have been in the Hall of Fame. Now, I did a little research on this, boys, and this is amazing, okay? Most people say Ozzie Smith deserved Hall of Fame, right? First ballot, I think, is what he got in. Barry Larkin as well. If you look at Ozzie Smith, he had 2,460 hits, a 262 hitter, 28 home runs. Boy, he spanked that ball deep, and 793 RBIs. Larkin, basically the same amount of hits, 2,340, a little better average, 295, and just under 200 home runs, 198 with under 1,000 RBIs. Trammell, 2,365 on the hits. 285 average, 185 homers, and 1,000 RBIs in a 20-year career. Now, how does that not stack up with Ozzie Smith and Barry Larkin? Uh, I'll offer the argument here. Uh, I've grown up in Michigan my whole life. I don't know who the hell Al Trammell is. So, <laughs> and, I mean, what is this? Like the, he's been off the – this is like what? He's been passed by like 10 times before finally getting into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, I had a chance to watch him up close and personal his whole 20 years. And let me tell you, he was as good as anybody in the major leagues at shortstop in that period of time. He was MVP of the 84 World Series. He caught everything that was hit his way. So was Pablo Sandoval. He was the MVP of the World Series, too, and that guy is a complete But what, But what was his career numbers? I have no idea. Well, Trammell played 20 years. I laid it out for you, Jared. What more do you need? That's Those are Hall of Fame numbers. Baseball, all, all I heard is a bunch of numbers. I. That's what Hall of Fame voters look at. That's what, that's what, I don't know who he is. That's my argument. Well, there. you better do a little research, my young friend. Trammell should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. I mean, you, you laid the numbers out, and people who watched him play knew that he should have been in the Hall of Fame. The Baseball Hall of Fame is just a joke. I don't understand how a guy can get passed over. I mean, just taking Trammell, for example, passed over as many times as he was, but now this year, all of a sudden, he qualifies for the Hall of Fame. If he's a Hall of Famer this year, he should have been a Hall of Famer 10 years ago. I don't really understand the whole process with the Baseball Hall of Fame. I know who he was. I, I watched him at the tail end of his career. But, I mean, I, my dad told me all about him. My grandpa told me all about him. So I definitely know who, who he was. And, you know, I know he got into the manager game. So he, he should have been a Hall of Famer long ago. I, I think everyone understands that. He would never have made it as a manager, though, that's for sure. He had a 382 winning percentage as the manager of the Tigers. And, oh, by the way, in 2003, leading the Tigers to a sparkling 43-119 and record. That's hey, his... man, that year I went to a game with one of my buddies because we just, in the summer, one day we didn't have anything to do. We were like, let's go catch the Tigers, and they won. <laughs> the year that the Tigers lost the most games in baseball history, I actually watched them win a game. Brandon Inge, legend. Yeah, that's oh, for those sure. Were, those were his stomping grounds of that team. <laughs> Is that when you first started watching baseball in the Brandon Inge days? I Yeah, I, I started right, probably right after that year, and then I watched through like 2007 since then, I've kind of had been on a hiatus. Not not the biggest baseball fan. I mean, I can appreciate some Tigers uh, playoff baseball, but well, you know, we talk about Trammell, and what about Jack Morris? And I know you you had a claim to fame at a Tiger game. You saw one of Verlander's no hitter. Yeah, no, I I love. I mean, like I said, Justin Verlander's gone. I'm not really sure who I root for on this team anymore. Honestly, 
They just kind of. I mean, who's the new Gardenhire? Garden Gardenhire, Ron yeah. Gardenhire. Yeah, he's a legitimate manager in the big leagues. The problem with the Tigers is, you know, it was time to unload the salaries. They did a big payroll dump. They got to start over, and that's unfortunately how it happens in baseball. Every oh. once in a while, you have to purge the team and start over. And we still have Miguel, though, right? I mean, why, we should have got rid of Miguel before last season. Well, they can't do anything with him now because yeah, he's no too high priced. Him. No one wants him. I think if Miggy, if if he can stay healthy. I think a team might be able to eat his contract. They, they might have to work something out with the Tigers, but, but as much as I hate to say it, I do hope they, they can trade him. I, I want to see him go play for a contender again and actually play some meaningful baseball because the Tigers aren't going to be doing that for a couple of years. You know, and he, you know, I would like to see him bounce back a little bit. As far as me watching Tiger baseball throughout the years, he might be the best hitter I've ever seen on the Tigers. You know, and I'm, I've been a huge Al Kaline fan. Do you know who Al Kaline is, Jared, yeah, by the yeah, way? Uh, okay. Yeah. I just wanted to double check, but Cab- I, I know his name. Couldn't tell you much about him. Cabrera in his prime. Cabrera in his prime was as good a hitter as I've ever seen. Yeah, he he was impressive. Him and uh, Prince Fielder. That was a pretty awesome duo. My 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 uh, way I look at players in baseball, and if they're that great, if I'm watching the game or have the TV on, I'll stop and watch their at bat. You know, then I'll go about my business because I can't really, I can't sit at home and watch a baseball game from beginning to end on TV very often. Mm-hmm. Not often. Not not if you're having to watch Mikey Matuk and Tyler Collins. <laughs> and it's going to be more of that for probably the next few years. Well, I remember vividly as a kid. Now this this guy, he, he didn't have the the long career greatness as Miguel Cabrera, but Cecil Fielder. Absolutely. I remember one night I was up late and uh, I, I was flipping around, and Tigers game comes on. Cecil Fielder's up to bat, and that's what he was. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit here and watch Cecil Fielder have his at bat, and he hit a home run. I was pumped. I was like, I stayed out to watch a special fielder at bat and saw him hit a home run. It was awesome. Yeah, he he definitely could hit the long ball. By the way, speaking of the Tigers, uh, condolences go out to the family of Frank Larry, the Yankee killer. Do you know who Frank Larry is there, nope. Jared? Yep. Nope. I would hope I would hope not. Back in the fifties and sixties, he was one of the Tigers' best pitchers, and uh, he just always seemed to beat the Yankees. But he passed at eighty-seven here this last week. All right. Well, we did talk about Trammell and Morris into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Let's get Jack back on the line and get his thoughts on Trammell and Morris. Jack, what are your thoughts on Tram and Morris going to the Hall of Fame? I love the sound of it. I just love the pitching of Jack Morris. He was such a competitor, especially against the Cardinals in 68. That was awesome. I also loved watching the 84 Tigers and one of the best keystone combos in baseball history with Alan Trammell and Dick McAuliffe. (laughs) The committee finally got it right, Fred, with Trammell, and now I hope they see the merits of second baseman sweet Jack Whitaker. Well, always interesting to hear Jack's takes on the world of sports. So, uh, Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys something, uh, talk, talking about Detroit sports. And we're, we're three different generations here. We've, we've all grown up watching Detroit sports, Michigan sports. Is this right now the worst era in Detroit sports? This, this is kind of in general terms. Early, mid-80s, we had the Tigers. You know, Tigers won the World Series, and they were good for a bit. Late 80s, early 90s, we had the bad boys, we had the Pistons, you know, going back-to-back and everything. Throughout the whole 90s, the Wings were starting their run. The Lions, they they weren't necessarily winning Super Bowls, but we got to watch Barry Sanders all the time, and they had some good teams. Early 2000s, we had the Pistons won a championship. The Wings were still doing their thing. And then from about 06 through, you know, 2014 or so, the Tigers were doing their thing, and, and the Wings were still going to playoffs all the time. So for the last 30 years or so, overall, Michigan, Detroit sports, and that's not even bringing in Michigan and Michigan State sports, uh, have been pretty good. What do we have right now 
to be really excited about. But I will say this, Matt, you you bring up a good point. This is a this is a down era in Detroit pro sports, without a doubt. I mean, the Lions hanging on to their playoff lights life at eight and six. But what else do we have? You know, the Pistons, you know, they're not going to do much. They might squeak into the playoffs. Red Wings look like another rebuilding year, and the Tigers, well, let's just forget them. What is so promising about any of these teams? Like, we, you know, we were all talking about the Pistons. They don't really seem to have much of a future. Yeah, yeah, they might make the playoffs, but, you know, they don't really have a bright future. The Tigers, we don't know what they're doing with their rebuild. You know, so I, I, looking across the four sports, it's just like, man, who, who's the most promising right now? The Lions. It might be. I mean, my God, the Lions. <laughs> that's right. That's what we're. T- yeah, it's either the Lions or the Pistons. Who are you gonna I put? I mean, your- I'll I'll stick to college. I mean, Jim Harbaugh. I'll attach my uh, wet my horses to his wagon. If we brought in college, right? I, I think that's what I would say too. Probably Jim Harbaugh with Michigan football, but well, both college I, Spartans and the Wolverines. I know Jared. You don't don't agree with that, but Spartans, Wolverines, and football and basketball, both schools. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, there's still Tom Izzo. Yep. I see. You said it was a poor. Um, it's been a poor time but i will say uh what was it 2015 or 16 uh one of the greatest moments of my sporting life was when michigan state lost to middle tennessee state so <laughs> you said that it's been a rough time i i have to say that 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 bought me a few years i can go a few years all right we're going to try to every podcast get into a little high school sports and the big story here in the state of michigan is uh the MHSAA and the transfer rule. MSU recruit Thomas Kithier denied eligibility after transferring from Macomb, Dakota to Clarkston. Corona went through that last year a little bit uh, with Sage Walker, the sophomore. And I know that was a part of your uh, group there, Jared. Yeah. You know, we're going to have three points and we'll talk three points here in, in high school sports. We've got the Battle of the Midway coming up and also uh, Powers North Central. Lost for the first time in 84 games. But let's go into the transfer rule here first. I mean, I, I agree with it. I mean, if if there was no transfer rule, you would just be see like super teams. It'd be like Kevin Durant jumping ship left and right. I mean, how could you? How do you see it without the transfer rule? I guess. How how do you determine it? That's the big question. Because how many times do athletes do it anyway? And they just say, exactly. well, they're doing it for academic reasons or whatnot. Uh, and you know darn well it happens. All the time. Does that make it right? No. But how come all of a sudden this one individual gets, you know, pinpointed, and your guy got pinpointed for maybe old time rules? You know, I know Coach Izzo's not really pleased with it. Uh, what did What did Sage Walker do that was wrong? I know he transferred from Ithaca. I mean, you, but didn't he go through all the paperwork you're supposed to go through? Yeah, but you're gonna get. I mean, you're. You, that's the that was accepted. He it, there was a debate whether he was gonna be able to play after like Martin Luther King's Day, right? And I mean, it just didn't happen. And I don't think it was a surprise to anyone, really. But you said you agree goes. with the rule. I, I I tend to agree more that okay, maybe half the season if that's the case. You think a kid mm-hmm. should if because he does go to another school and did everything by the book. You know, he, he's got residency in the Clarkston area in time, and just because his former school wouldn't sign the release papers, he has to sit out his entire senior season? Something doesn't seem right to me on that. That doesn't seem right to me, and because, I mean, you're, then you're hurting the kid's future. I mean, he's already, he's already committed to Michigan State, so I guess he, you know, he already has a bright future ahead of him. But for some of the kids who maybe are still fighting for some recruiting, you know, you're, you're holding it against them now. If they do it, you know, the quote the wrong way, if they're not getting the residency, if they're not doing it for also academic reasons and getting going through the paperwork the right way and everything, okay, yeah, then yes, that that might be wrong because right, you would just have a bunch of super teams. Guys would just be transferring all over the place 
to play for you know basically like AU basketball. You see with. that now. You see that where they go to these prep academies, right? Isn't that what Miles Bridges did? He left Flint, went to a prep academy. Yeah. Yep. And you're you're gonna see more of that with these. Same with Kuzma. He did that too. Kyle yeah. Kuzma. Right. Yep. Kuzma did it. I mean, he's and he's in the NBA now. So you know, did if a player is good enough, then then their their future isn't gonna be that affected. Like if this kid who uh, the MHSA just said is ineligible, if he's good enough, he'll go to Michigan State and he'll be just fine. But for some of the kids who, who need that senior season to grow, to play, to get exposure, it does kind of suck for them because now they're having to just sit on their butt, basically, and, and do nothing for a season. I mean, we had my, my senior year uh, at Corona, we had a player come in from Owasso um, who, who did who went through all the right steps and did all the right paperwork and he was a, he was a damn good player, and he led us to the to the final four. So, so you you can do it the right way, you can do it the wrong way. No doubt. Also, on our three points, uh, there's a big uh, holiday tournament going to take place at our alma mater of Corona, Friday twelve twenty two and Saturday December twenty third. And I know uh, somebody you're close to, Jared, is going to be involved in that weekend, isn't he? Yeah, uh, there's a big time JV matchup. Uh... Coach Nicholson versus Coach Vitell. It's being pegged as one of the coaching battles of the century. Can't wait to watch that one on uh, Friday night, right? Yeah, that's a Friday night matchup. I'm looking forward to that one. It's going to be a big time battle. Of course, speaking of your little bro- or your older brother Johnny, he's uh, helping out Kyle Clough up at Rockford as the JV coach. And the nightcap of that tournament is going to be Rockford against the Corona Cavaliers Saturday night at about seven o'clock in the Corona Gym. A lot of great basketball. I believe uh, ten or twelve. Division One college recruits are going to be taking part in that weekend. Yeah, uh, and they, I've actually placed a few bets on the uh, Corona Rockford game. Uh, <laughs> if you guys feel, feel free to jump on it if you want to. Well, but what's the line? The line set at plus five. Uh, plus five. Rockford. So if Rockford. So actually, a little fun fact: Corona beat Rockford in the summer league this summer, which I think actually hurts Corona because I think they could have really came out and kind of shocked Rockford. But I think I just know. saw that Rockford pounded Lansing Sexton. So Rockford yeah. must be pretty good. Yeah, I mean they're. So you're saying you're you're laying the line at five, huh? I'm, I'm betting Corona. Corona's gonna. They're gonna either, cover they're five. Gonna, yeah, they're gonna cover five, no doubt. Wow. Has that has that line moved at all since the money started getting thrown around? <laughs> uh, well, I've had, I've had a couple people take me up on that bet, and I'm fine with it. I set the line, and I'm fine with where it sits. All right. Well, we'll we'll follow up on that on our next podcast. How you did? And also speaking of high school basketball, just a big story here statewide. Uh, it was Powers North Central. I actually broadcast a couple of their games against Fulton, and uh, they were a powerhouse team. The Jets. Well, they lost their first game in eighty after eighty four straight victories. That's an that's an amazing run. Three straight Class D championships, but eighty four straight wins. That's I don't care what class you are. That's pretty amazing. You said I don't care what, but it kind of seemed like you put a little emphasis on, like on the class. Let's face it: if you have one tremendous superstar, which they did, yeah, it's pretty tough to lose at that level. Exactly. All right, guys, great stuff tonight. Our debut show. I think we did okay here. We got a lot of opinions out there, and I look forward to the next time we can put out a three-point podcast. That's it for now. Please remember, everybody, share with your friends. Give us your feedback. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan and Fat Stack Sports production. Special consideration provided by Z92.5 The Castle. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast.